0: Can we just celebrate all the dads this morning? Can we just give them a hand? Yeah. I love Dad Day. I love Dad Day. Happy Father's Day. This this video makes me cry every single time, y'all. <laughs> Get myself together. Oh my goodness. Um, I have so many father figures to be thankful for. So so many. I you know, the obvious, my father in love, Robbie Rose, who is wise and kind and loving and just the best, one of the best dads I know. I love him so much. And my stepdad, who has long gone to be with the Lord, and the one my mom couldn't wait to be with, that loved me and my siblings like he we were his own. And um, And then there were so many guys that I didn't that I wasn't even related to. I was thinking about all of the father figures in my life since I was a little girl. Like There was a pastor when I was in elementary school that I just adored him, and he adored me and my family and just meant the world to me. And youth pastors, and I have a great godly uncle, and, I mean, you name it, you guys, you know, my kids are where they are today, not just because of Trey and I, Mostly because of Jesus. Let me say that, but also because of you, because of you. And so I thank you to all the fathers in the room because you are amazing. You are amazing and you are important. I am so, so very grateful for you. You know, culture wants us to believe that fathers are not important, that they don't matter, that the constitution of family doesn't matter. You know, if you get on the television today over and over and over again, what are they doing to fathers? They're belittling them. They're making fun of them. It's just become a very common, funny thing to do. And, you know, when you think about it, it's really just not that funny. It's really not. Um, it didn't used to be that way. And so I I want to first preface this message by saying I am all for girl power. I, I am. I love motherhood. I I am thankful for all the strong, godly women in this house. The church is full of godly women today, and I would not be here today if it wasn't for my mom. And so I want to preface that, but today I'm going to be focusing on the dads, on the fathers, talking about fatherhood. I want to talk about the importance of fathers and the effects that their presence has in the family and the effects that their absence has on the family. You know, you cannot walk out the door today and go out to the store, wherever it might be and not see young people that are broken, young people that are confused. I'm going to tell you, they confuse me just looking at them. I'm like, "I, I just, I just don't even know. And There's so much confusion, and you know, God is not the author of confusion. When he made you, young person, he was not confused. He was not confused. He made you and said, you are good. You are good. And so I just think it's important that we look at the identity crisis that's going on in the world around us, and we talk about that a little bit. Our our young people are experiencing this crisis like never before, and statistics show that the number one reason is due to a father's absence in the home. In fact, America leads the way in the amount of fathers that are still alive, but not present in their children's lives. America leads the way 72.2% of the U S population believe fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem facing America today. You know, all over the news, we keep hearing about kids killing kids. I, I can't remember a time when I heard that more than I am right now. Kids are killing kids, not because they happen to get a hold of a weapon. It goes so much deeper than that. There are such real, deep root issues in their life that we need to be aware of as a church. And we need to talk about these things. And so today, I want to do that. And before we move on, can we just pray? Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for your word that is truth and it is life. And it is edifying to our spirits, God. And our world needs you today like never before. Father, our young people need you today. Father, I just ask you to bless the fathers in this house, Lord. I pray that this morning and from here on out, they would feel such encouragement from us and such encouragement from you, God. We need them. We need them to be strong men of God that stand up for truth and for what is right and that can lead us. And I just pray, Father, that you would just strengthen your people. God, help our hearts to be open to hear from you today. Father, let my words be your words, not Carrie's words, because, Lord, you know I have a lot to say. And so I just ask, God, that my words would be yours today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what happens when you remove fathers from culture? I um, looked at some statistics, and I want to share some with you, if that would be okay. Okay. Um, fatherless homes, they have found, um, i looked at some recent Gallup poll statistics and, um, they found that fatherless homes breed violence and we have over 24 million children living absent of their biological father, 24 million, 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, 80% of rapists motivated by displaced anger come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts, fatherless homes. Um, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth sitting in prison today grew up in fatherless homes. 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 72% of adolescents serving sentences for murder are from fatherless homes. You know, um, there's another organization called the national fatherhood initiative that has done research since 1994 and they have been promoting fatherhood and they've seen how our culture and society doesn't celebrate fathers. And they've seen the real negative effects that that has had on society. And so they are pushing to encourage us to celebrate fatherhood and they've done so much research. And I wanted to share a few more statistics with you. Um, They found that more than one in four children in the U.S. are without a biological, step, or adoptive father. Infant death, I thought this was interesting. Infant death within the first 28 hours of life is four times higher for those with absent fathers. Children without their father in the home are four times more likely to live in poverty. Women with absent fathers are more likely to have children with absent fathers Men with absent fathers are more likely to become absent fathers. Adolescent teen boys that live with their fathers are less likely to deal drugs or carry guns, and children who live with their dads do better in school. Boys have fewer behavioral problems and girls have fewer psychological problems when they have an involved father. Wow, statistics don't lie. Fathers matter. And so today, I don't want to discourage you. That's not my point. You know, if, if you are a single mom or a single uh, dad or a child living without a father, I was that. I was that once. So I, I understand. And I, I know that the real struggle that that um, involves. I would love to see the same statistics, children without fathers, but growing up in the church. What did those statistics look like? Because I can tell you, me and my, there was five of us, me and my, all five of us siblings, we grew up without a father, but we grew up in the church. And most of these statistics do not apply to us. We, I, You could say we lived in poverty, for sure. But God always took care of us. The church always took care of us. And I know that... There are so many exceptions to this, right? These are the world's statistics. These should not be the church's statistics, but I think that we need to see and know what's going on out there around us. Right. Um, you know, we, we had the privilege of hanging around godly fathers and knowing what that looked like because we were so involved in the church. You know, we, we knew these men. We were really close to them. I had a grandfather that was not my blood grandfather. You know where I met him? In the church. I called him Grandpa. I had a very amazing, um, godly uncle. I um, had several youth pastors that I loved and adored, but I had one specific youth pastor, you guys. I drove my car through the garage door, and guess who came? and brought panels and repaired my garage door, my youth pastor, like what? This is why church family is so important, especially for our young people. So important. We didn't have a choice to be in church and I'm so glad. I'm so glad we, we had to be involved. We had to, um, be here every time the door was open and I'm telling you my siblings and I, don't fit the statistics of this because of that very reason. You know, Trey's been talking about the plus one initiative that we're doing church wide, right? Um, maybe your plus one is to attend church three times a month instead of the two times you've been coming. Maybe your plus one is to go back to church for the first time you haven't been in a while. Maybe your plus one is to start tithing and trusting God with your finances. I don't know what you have decided your plus one is going to be, but I thought, what could a plus one be for a father? Maybe, just maybe it could be reaching out beyond your own and seeing a need in another child that you can meet. Maybe that's your plus one. Maybe, dad, your plus one is spending more time becoming more involved in your own children's lives. I don't know what your plus one is, but I encourage you as a father to think about that today because it's so important. Statistics show just how important it is. And I know, I want to say that I know sometimes our kids are like, oh, it's okay. I don't really need you, dad. It's okay. I don't, I don't want you to be a part of my life. They're lying. They're lying. They need you. They need you, and you need to make them need you like you you need to be a part of their life whether they say they want it or not it's important it's that important i um we did this not long ago we 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 have taken in some young people into our home from time to time you, you know i have five children two biological three adopted but sometimes we'll bring in other young people and we had this young man named Josh some of you may remember him But he had gotten saved in the church. His parents, um, because of health issues, had become dependent on prescription prescription painkillers. And they were so dependent on it that it affected everything. Like they couldn't work and they really couldn't take care of Josh. He was in high school and he pretty much took care of them. But he spent a lot of time in our home. He came to church, found God gave his life to the Lord and was flourishing like he was just so vibrantly on fire for God and doing so well. And then his family decided they needed to move to Vegas and Josh wanted to go with them because he loved his family. You know, that that was his mom and his stepdad. And so he moved to Vegas and very quickly was not doing well. We encouraged him to try to get plugged into a church and he just, for whatever reason, it just wasn't working out. He finished high school, and he called us, and he said, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing well. <clears throat> can I come stay with you guys and go to church? I want to be plugged into the church. I need to get my life right back on track, and I, I believe you guys can help me do that. And we said, yes, come, you know, because we, we loved him. We adored him. And so he came to stay with us, and at first it all was good. And we had some rules that if you live in our home, You go to church. You don't get to live in our home and not show up on a Sunday morning for any reason, any age. You can be 30 living in my home and you're going to be in church and you're going to be serving if you're living under my roof. And so, um, and we might have some like that. Y'all pray. I'm (laughs) yeah. Um, but anyway, (laughs) um, no, I just have to say Jordan's over there going, not me. Um, I just have to say, I have amazing kids, you guys, amazing kids. Like, when I was I'm writing this message, I was thinking about them and just tearing up because <clears throat> Jordan's mine. Jordan, wave your hand. Tristan's in the back. Um, my girls are in Nashville right now. Addison's visiting her sister, and Micah lives in Australia with his beautiful wife. But um, I have amazing kids, amazing kids, and I'm so grateful for them. But... um, <laughs> Now that I said that, I've lost my, oh, Josh, Josh came into my home and he at first was all in, you know, going to church and everything. But then all of a sudden we just saw this change in attitude and he was staying, working more than he should be, staying gone overnight and then sleeping in, not going to church. And we thought, oh gosh, this is not going well. And we were trying to help him. We'd sit down and have the family talk and conversation that Trey was talking about and it just was really getting worse and other things happened. And so we knew he was going to have to go. He ended up moving in with a girl and then he ended up back in Vegas and was like worse off than before. And it was so disappointing, you know, because we had such high hopes for him. You know, we we all have such high hopes for our children, right? And sometimes it's just, no matter what we do, no matter how hard we pray, sometimes it just doesn't look like it's going very well. And this was one of those instances. And so it kind of broke our heart, and we actually had a conversation where we we're like, we're not taking any more kids in our home. That was tough. You know, why did we do that? We're too nice. We're not doing that anymore. And, you know, it just brought me to our text today. It's in Galatians 6-9 that says, let us not become weary in well-doing for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So this is the verse for us today as parents. Um, I I prayed and we just continued to pray for Josh and I would check up on him, you know, from time to time. We we ended up in Vegas one time and we we met up with him um, and saw him and just told him we loved him and we were praying for him and and then I noticed one day that that he was in church again. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, you can always tell what's going on in someone's life through Facebook, right? And it looked like he was doing well. He had a Christian girlfriend and I thought, wow, that's awesome. But then they broke up and I thought, oh no, but he was still in church. He was still in church after that. And then we got the phone call and he called and he said, I just want you guys to know that I am doing so well. I am in church. I know my leaders, my pastors very well. They are a part of my life. They are, we, they are my church family. And I just want you guys to know that I know what you were trying to do for me. I do. I know what you were trying to do, and I just wasn't ready to receive it yet. And my heart just, ugh. That's the harvest I'm talking about. We can't grow weary. We can't get discouraged and think it didn't work, so we just give up. You can't give up on your kids. You can't give up on either other people's kids either. We just continue to plant the seed, continue to plant the seed. God is responsible for the harvest. And that leads me to my first point this morning. When we're talking about fathers, they are distinctly important in the composition of family. They are distinctly important culture wants us to think fathers are replaceable. You know, one of my favorite shows growing up was Little House on the Prairie. You know why? I loved Charles. Charles was the dad, and he was such a strong father figure um, for his family, but it wasn't just his family. Like, the whole town could be going one direction, and Charles would stand up and say, nope, this is not right. We need to go this way and my family's going to do blah, blah, blah. And I would just be like, wow, I just thought he was so amazing. I just loved to watch him on that show. And that's how we used to celebrate fathers, right? And we need to celebrate them again. We need to celebrate them again because they are meant to be strong examples and leaders in our homes. We have to appreciate them. We have to celebrate them. You know, you might be being raised by grandparents, an aunt, an uncle. Maybe you are being raised by a single parent. Maybe your parents are divorced. I don't know. You know, I think we should appreciate what we have, what God has given us. I believe that um, every parent, regardless of what they look like, is important. I, I'm so grateful for my mom. But, I'm, you know, that's. I just want to clarify what God intended what he intended to be the perfect family. Can I do that? Yeah. I, um, we live in an imperfect world. So unfortunately it can look very different, right? I I can remember being the little girl that thought, man, I wish I was in that family. I wish I had a mom and dad that were so attentive to me. I remember feeling um, hurt when I would see, Um, whole family units and just how amazing they were. I remember the pain that I felt. I don't feel that anymore. I feel joy when I see family units that are whole and complete because God has done a work in me um, through the years. And so, but I want to talk about what God's perfect design is, and it includes a father and a mother. You know, in a society that is mostly motherhood driven and pushing to redefine what family is, it's important that we take note of what God says. And in Genesis 2:18, he says, the Lord God said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. First off, I want us to notice that it wasn't Adam that said, I'm not happy, God, you got somebody for me. It wasn't Adam that said that, it was God. God made Adam and said, mm, this isn't gonna work. We need to add to this. I mean, that's what happened, right? He said, this is not complete. And so he took part of Adam's rib to make woman and then said, now they're complete. Now they're whole. And so what, um, the other thing I want to I notice in here is that he said helper. You know, all the women in here are like, oh, feeling... Like, what does that mean, right? Because uh, uh, <laughs> what exactly does that mean? Uh, you're all holding your breath. I can feel it in the room. I, I have to tell you, it's good news, ladies. You know, at one point, this was so grossly misused to support male dominance. But it's misused. It's inaccurate. You know what helper means here? There's a Hebrew phrase that includes, ugh, that includes two words. Let me get this straight so we can all be clear, guys. Um, <laughs> There's two words in the Hebrew phrase that, in, that, let me start over and take a breath. Okay, the Hebrew phrase includes two words, as aza konegdo, aza being translated as one who assists or encourages, one who provides support for what is lacking in the one who needs help. Not one inferior like the animals or superior like God, but one that is equal to him. One that is equal to him. That's good news for us ladies, right? Yes, it's good news for you too. Thank you for saying that. So good. Yeah. She must also be suitable. What does suitable mean? Suitable is an interesting definition as well. The Hebrew word for suitable here. Means something that completes a polarity, as the North Pole is suitable to the South Pole. It means opposite him, counterpart, companion. The literal rendering would be like opposite him. Yeah, says it all. I love this quote by Chris Vallotton: "Men and women are equally." powerful, but distinctly different. Love that. Love, love, love it. So like I say, God removed a rib from Adam, formed Eve. And what did man say when he saw her? He said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. One without the other is incomplete. So all of you singles in the room that are waiting for your significant other, this is the verse you should be standing on. God, you're the one that said, you're the one that said, it's not good for man to be alone, right? But, but in saying that, don't take the first thing that comes along. Be choosy, be choosy. And now that I've lost all the single moms and dads in the room and online, know you are heroes in my eyes. I thank God for you. I thank God for my mom. I know that you are not truly alone. You have the Holy Spirit helping you. You have your church family to support you. And you are doing better and more than you think you are just by having your family in church. So my hat goes off to you. There's a story that I heard recently. Apparently I heard it at Walt Disney World, but I don't remember it. But it's about a um, national park in South Africa called Kruger National Park. And there, at this park, they were rescuing young elephants whose parents had been slaughtered by poachers. And so they were trying to just preserve these elephants and save them. And before long the whole park was just overpopulated with these elephants. And they were like, this is terrible. Like, we don't want to have to kill some off because we keep saving more. That defeats the purpose. We need to move these elephants. So they tried to move them, and the harnesses were breaking because elephants weigh a ton. And so what they did is they took the young bull elephants, excuse me, and they moved them to this park down down a little ways away. And um, something interesting happened when they set these young bull elephants free, they started wandering aimlessly and solo, which elephants always stay in a herd. And they thought, well, that's really strange behavior. Maybe we need to bring in some mama elephants. So they got some mama elephants, and they brought them into the park. And before long, the mama elephants had corralled them, and they began to act like a herd again, and they were like, oh, okay, good. But then these white rhinos started dying left and right, just dying, and they thought, oh, my poachers are getting these white rhinos, but then they noticed that the prize horn that they would want was not being removed. So they're like, what is happening to these white rhinos? And they didn't know what was going on, so they put some recorders all over the park and to record to see what was happening. And sure enough, the young bull elephants were throwing sticks, At the white rhinos, they were harassing them. They were pouncing on them. Some were being mounted, and then they were gorging them to death. And they were like, what in the world is going on? And because white rhinos and elephants have always been in the same habitat together without any problem. And so this was very unusual behavior. And the only thing that they could see that was different from this park to the other park were the older male bull elephants were not there. And so they said, well, let's just try it out. Let's make some stronger harnesses and move some of these adult male elephants into the park and just see, you know, if it makes a difference. So they did that. They moved these older male elephants into the park. And guys, within a very short time, Those young elephants stopped all the killing, and the young bull elephants were following the older male elephants around, and the male older elephants were teaching them what it meant to be an elephant, how to behave. Isn't that just a beautiful story, an example for us? I thought, wow, that's so incredible. And that brings me to my second point today, and that's that fathers are responsible for governing the family. I'm sure you've heard the saying, just wait till your gets home. It's always dad. It's always dad. Why? Because dads govern the family. Uh, Mothers do too, right? They discipline as well, but it's mostly the father's. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Who's supposed to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Fathers. How do you keep your children from being angry? You bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, dads. That's how you keep from having angry children. You show them what it means to be a godly man. Or a woman. You know, someone here today might say, I'm brand new to Christ. This is all new to me. I feel overwhelmed by this. I don't know what it means to be a godly father. I'm just learning what it means to be a godly man myself. And that's okay. That's why this body of believers is so important. That's why your relationship with other godly men is so important. You know, Trey and I, when we started having kids. Um, we learned real quickly that what worked for one did not work for another. And um, what works for biological children doesn't always work for adopted children. And so we had a very unique situation that we had to, we were trying to discipline the same way for each one of our kids, and we were getting nowhere. And so we started reading books. We started reading books. We started going to conferences. And it was so funny because Michaela at a pretty young age on and we would try all these different things that we learned and they worked. And the key thing that I want you to catch here is that they, it was godly instruction yes. that we were researching because there's a lot of, a lot of opinions on how to raise kids today that are not biblical, not godly yeah. guys, hear me out on this. You can really mess your kids up if you are not raising them in the instruction of the Lord. And so um, we were going to these godly seminars and reading these godly parenting books. And Michaela says on different occasions, she would look at us and she'd go, y'all been reading parenting books again, haven't you? <laughs> because all of a sudden what we were doing was working. And she caught on real quick. And so it was kind of a funny story in our home. But, you know, you, you have the Holy Spirit too. And he's such a great teacher and he knows your kid like you don't because he made him so he can help you and give you insight where you don't have it. My third point today is that fathers instill identity. Fathers instill identity. I just want to highlight a few of our father Bible heroes um, this morning, just to give you an idea of what we can learn, even in the word of God, right? Noah's Ark. Most of us know the story of Noah's Ark. Noah was the only righteous man that found favor in God's eyes. And God was going to send a flood to wipe out all the rest of the world, right? But Noah found favor in his eyes. So he asked him to build an ark and to save him and his family. Can you imagine if you were the only one in the world doing one thing and the rest of the world was doing something different. How hard that would be. I would be asking myself if I was crazy, maybe I am crazy. Like I would probably have that conversation, but Noah stayed true to what God told him. What did he instill in his kids? He told, he showed them that you obey God, no matter what you obey God, no matter what, and you protect your family. That's what he instilled in his kids. And then there's Joseph. Joseph, the father of Jesus, Uh, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine your fiance coming to you and saying, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit? (laughs) I don't know about you, but that would be really hard for me to swallow. And um, Joseph, at that point in time, it was very um, common practice to shame that person publicly. That was very common. But because of the character that he had, he loved her. It says in the Bible he loved her, and he chose to put her away quietly until the angel came to him and said, oh, no, she really is pregnant with the Holy Spirit. And then he's like, oh, thank God. You know? And so he selflessly takes in Mary and becomes the father of Jesus. What did he instill in his family? Selflessness and true love. What is Jesus to us? He's selfless. He's true love. What an incredible father, earthly father, Jesus had here on earth. And then there's Moses, who led the Israelites, right? He was a father to the Israelites. He led them out of Egyptian slavery, protected them, defended them, and encouraged them, even when many times they did not deserve it, right? He, I would say he loved them unconditionally because they were, they were difficult, very difficult to lead, But he did it well. So what is most important to you, dad? What is the one thing that you want to pass along to your kids? It has to be something that you've laid hold of yourself, that you have internalized something that is rooted in your identity, your passions, your gift, your purpose and experiences. What is that one thing? that you're instilling in the identity of your family. You know, right now we need some Joshua's to rise up. I was reading about Joshua and thinking about how our schools are infiltrating our kids with ungodly truth. Culture is wanting to define love and family, contrary to the word of God. And some churches are following hard after culture because it's popular. I'm grateful. I am so grateful that we are in a church that we have a pastor. That's my pastor too. That follows the whole Word of God, and I think I forgot to honor him as the father of my children. Like he is kind and loving and um, humble, and he is gold to me in my in my world in my family. And I'm so grateful for you, babe. And I am so glad that you speak the whole truth of the Bible because it's becoming really popular not to, you know, the Israelites with Joshua were worshiping the idols of their ancestors and they had fallen away from God and Joshua got up and he said, don't you remember what God has done for you? Don't you remember all the battles he fought for you? Don't you remember how he took you out of slavery? And he starts reminding them of all the things that God has done. And then he says, you need to choose. You need to choose. Either continue to follow the gods of your ancestors or follow the one true God. What are you going to do? And he said this, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I think that is such a powerful example Of fatherhood today we need some Joshua's that are going to stand up and say the world is doing this the schools are saying this culture is telling you this the Bible says this and me and my house are going to serve the Lord Joshua was clear on his one thing it was knowing and serving the Lord fathers choose the identity in their family You know, Dad, you're not just an example to your family. As a believer, you are such a godly father figure to the world who desperately needs you right now. Your impact reaches so much further than the family right in front of you. And I just want to encourage you to allow God to raise you up as a Joshua in this season because we need some Joshua's. In closing, I want to talk to some sons in the house, some children, some daughters. You know, maybe you find yourself relating to the young bull elephants. You feel like you're wandering aimlessly. You have no direction. You don't know who you are. I get it. It's tough, especially with a lot of broken families and all that's going on in the world. I have to tell you that there is no father more important than our heavenly father. And and you may be here and have a good father. You may have a good father that is involved in your life. But he, Jesus, is the ultimate father. And he wants to be your father today. He wants to govern your life. And he wants to instill his identity inside of you. Psalms 2710 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, The Lord will receive me. I'm so grateful for that today. I'm so, so grateful for that. I remember a time in my life sitting in a pew because it wasn't chairs like this. It was a pew. And I was crying out to God because I felt that way. I think I was about 18 years old. And I was like, God, I just feel so lost. I have no direction, no one to guide me. I feel so alone. And it was the one time that God spoke to me audibly in my whole life. And I'd had this conversation with him multiple times before, and I heard, I am your father. And I was like, what? I mean, I, I turned around cause I thought somebody said something behind me. And he said again, I am your father and young person. I want you to know that's what he's saying to you today. I am your father. I am is your father. He is the ultimate father and he loves you. He loves you so much more than any earthly father ever, ever could. And I'm so grateful for him. Psalm 68:5 says he's a father to the fatherless. The good news is that God promises in him. No one has to be without the perfect father. No one. He is the perfect father. He wants to be your father. And I just want to take a moment today and ask, and maybe even online, there's someone that is like, I'm, I'm ready to make him my father. I haven't really let him be that to me. Is there anyone here today that you'll just raise your hand real quick and say, I want God to be my father. See that hand, see that hand, anyone else? See that hand? I see that hand. Awesome. I'm just going to give you one more. See that hand? Anyone else in the room, you want to make him your father today? Okay. Let's um, just pray and agree together. If y'all, if y'all were bow your heads and pray with me. You know, I, I don't want to rush this. I feel like there's someone else. If you want to make him your father today, it's when you raise your hand, you're just publicly saying, God, I want you in my life. So while our heads are bowed, will you raise your hand one more time, even if you've already raised it? I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand. One, two, three, four, five. Anyone else? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Anyone else? All right. I want you to repeat after me, church. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to accept you into my heart and life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. I make you my father today. I want you to lead me, govern my life instill your identity inside of me i trust you and put my faith in you today thank you for the cross in jesus name amen amen can we celebrate church so awesome